0: lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson.
1: So we've got a really interesting show today. Oh my goodness, I've got Sandy Fernandez, the money angel, and she's an author, a financial consultant, a clairvoyant, Energetic light worker. As the president and founder of Karmic Currency, Sandy teaches the energy behind business and finance. For over 20 years, Sandy worked in the financial services industry. And hard work and a lot of talent for intuitive finance. Sandy brought a lot of success to herself, but also to those that sought her services and advice. As vice president, she and her team held 90 million under her portfolio management. Sandy's leadership, communication, and strong sales talents proved she was a force to be reckoned with. In fact, Sandy was also often reprimanded for being a maverick for frequently challenging the corporate status quo. In 2017, Sandy was let go from her high-profile position, and she turned you're fired into fired up. By leveraging her professional skills and finally taking her own financial advice. Sandy tapped into her entrepreneurial spirit and her inborn courage to take on challenges with the same finesse that had come to her to, to define her career and her life. Sandy, thanks so much for being here with us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited um, to share with your audience and, of course, you know talk about my passion about money and energy. So I'm really, really excited. So thank you.
1: Well, you know, it's so funny, because people have such different views of money. Some people love it, some people hate it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you clearly stated it's your passion. So talk to us about that. Well, you know, it's funny
2: that you say that, right? Because people, like you said, right? Everyone has a money story. Everyone has a defining moment in their life where they make that statement. You know, they either say, "I love money and i money loves me, and I you know, I can't wait to be rich." and then there's people who say, "I hate money, you know i'm i'm, I'm not I'm not good at it. I can't figure things out." um and that's that defining moment where we really start to formulate our opinion and our energy with money. So are we attracting it or are we pushing it away? Because I always feel that when someone says, oh, you know, money is not important to me, I know that they're hiding behind a story, that they're hiding behind something that has led them to believe that that is true. Because we can't hate the thing that we want the most. We all need it. I mean, we can't live without it. So you might as well embrace it and change your relationship with it. Why not be friends with your money? Why not embrace it? And then it'll want to be with you. And then it'll money will want to come with you or be with you a lot easier.
1: Well, you know, I think women have more of a hard time defining their relationship with money, particularly, you know, if you were not to not to date myself, but but a baby boomer and Mm -hmm. Men were looked at during that time, you know. I, in my house growing up, my father managed the money. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just the natural assumption. So and I started work at a very young age because I liked money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I wanted to have, you know, my own own source. But right. but I never really when I thought about managing my money, all that meant to me. As a younger person, was not overdrawing my checking account. <laughs> now well, I'm happy to say. True. Well, I'm happy to say that's changed. But in the beginning, I mean, I just didn't have any concepts. I, I that was all I worried about.
2: Well, you know, and and I completely agree and and Lee, you know, it's awesome because we met in Vegas, right? And one of the things that I talked about during my presentation um in Las Vegas was women and wealth and redefining money from a female perspective. One of the things that I talked about was the generational differences in women between the baby the baby boomers, you know, the Gen Xers, the Gen Zers and now the up-and-coming millennials. And one of the things that I talk a lot about is, you know, through the baby boomers, right? And I'm kind of in that middle sandwich. And that's what, you know, my mom taught me. That's what my grandparents taught me. And it's still somewhat being passed on, which is, you know, typically men are the head of the household. They're the primary breadwinners. And any little money that we have is just kind of pocket change. And your income or your job is just secondary household income in the home. Um, you don't have to worry about it. You just get a little shopping money and you get a little stipend. Um, but I know that that's changing. That's changing so much. And in the millennial women that we're seeing now, they're so much more entrepreneurial and they're more in control and less and less, um, fear-based when it comes to money. Even though historically as women we tend to be a little bit more conservative with our money, even with our investments. You know, for example, you may be wanting to, you know, maybe buying a real estate property, maybe a little bit conservative versus investing in cryptocurrency or in the stock market. You know, so those perceptions and those generational differences with women are, are still showing up today. And those are our childhood beliefs, you know, that we learn as a kid that You know, we would go, I would sit and have dinner with my grandparents and my grandfather would get home and he would talk to my uncles and he would talk to my male cousins and they would talk about, you know, work and business and sports and cars. And, you know, the girls, we'd clear the table go into the kitchen. And, you know, I've got a bunch of great recipes that, you know, my grandma showed me and my mom showed me, but he never taught us about money. You know, my grandfather never taught us that. It just wasn't talked about with girls. And I and I know that that's changing so much now. And it's really beautiful to, to watch that evolution happen.
1: Well, I bet it's really beautiful to be a part of that because that's really, you know, I love uh, your website. Are you serious about clearing your karmic money drama? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, who isn't?
2: Exactly. But, you know, most people don't even know that they have that they don't even really understand um, what their relationship is with money or even if they have any karmic money drama or if they have any blocks or any aversions. They, they really just kind of live their life not really understanding, like, why can't you figure this out? You know? Or, or why am I stuck here? Why can't I get to that next plateau? Why can't I get to that next place that I want to be? And they almost feel like it's something's blocking them, but they can't figure out, exactly what it is. And that's when the energy comes in. That's when we have to look beyond, you know, the dollars and cents. That's when we really have to look beyond, you know, the, the financial and the accounting and and really look at the energy and really start to understand, well, what's your relationship with money? What did you learn growing up about money? You know?
1: Because again, so, maybe maybe you go ahead. I was gonna say so it, it does all go back to those childhood beliefs. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Well, how do you clear those? So that's why clients hire me, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's the magic of what I do. Um, But number one, I mean, the first step is really uncovering what those beliefs are, right? Um, For example, um, one of the common things that I heard a lot in my home was you have to work really hard for your money. Um, I'm first-generation American, I come from immigrant parents, so when they came to this country, they had nothing, and my grandfather built a Fortune 500 company from scratch, you know, so we had to work hard, and that belief was passed on to me, so if that's something similar for you, even if, you know, you don't have to be a first-generation American, you could have just been adopted by that period, your parents just said, "You you gotta work hard, You know, you got to earn your keep. That type of belief leads a person to do exactly that, which is work hard. And that's when a client or a person will start experiencing burnout. Or maybe they're a serial entrepreneur. They're doing three, four, five, six different things, you know, because I'm trying to make money all these different ways. And maybe all of those ways are not necessarily resulting into revenue or profit because you're doing too many things. And now you become the jack of all trades and a master of none because you've got this mentality that you've learned since a kid. Well, I got to work hard. And if it's not hard, you know, if it's too easy, it's not real. But that goes against the laws of the universe, which is it is supposed to flow with ease. That's why when we say when you step into your passion and you step into your purpose, you don't chase the money, the money comes to you. So when you're out of that alignment and you're working harder, you're pushing, 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 then you're not necessarily getting the results that you want. It's because you're you're not in the flow of what is your natural state. You know, maybe you're doing things and they're not even your passion. Does that make sense? Oh,
1: well, it does make sense because you know I I know what I'm doing five different things at once. You know, I'm trying to run my business, the Brain Performance Center. I'm trying to organize my radio show. I'm trying mm-hmm. to finish up my PhD. I get overwhelmed. And, right. you know, and I and that's not when I'm at my best. So it makes a lot correct. of sense. Yeah, correct. And, that's, and those are
2: the moments where we really start asking ourselves, okay, well, what is the purpose behind this? Is this something that I'm really passionate about? Or is there still some sort of childhood belief or some little voice in my head that belongs to your parents or an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend or, you know, somebody that was in your life that said, well, if you don't get, you know, your PhD, you know, it's not valid. Or if you don't go to college, it doesn't, you know, you can't be successful. Or like, who, who, who says? You know, who says? Are you living life on your own terms or are you living life according to the terms and beliefs of someone else? And that's a lot of times when those blocks start to happen because we realize, why am I so uncomfortable? And you realize that you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for someone else. And then there's resistance that's happening there instead of being in the flow. You know, again, and obviously getting your PhD for you is amazing. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't do that or I'm not telling anyone that they shouldn't go to school or do any of that. But really start to ask yourself those questions because sometimes when you just let go and you just surrender, And you say, you know what, this doesn't resonate for me anymore. This doesn't feel good for me. It's too much. It's causing too much resistance in my body and in my life. Maybe it's time to let it go. And that's that's such a great,
1: that's a great point because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I, you know, at the end of the day, I always say, you know what, this, I'm doing what I want to do. And if it's, and if you can't say that at the end of the day, then there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and re-looking at that decision. And I think people with money, you know, people that have more money, it's easier to do. If your comfort level is met, and you you it's easier to make decisions about your money. If your comfort level is not met, then you know that four-letter word, fear. Oh my gosh, what if I take and I invest some, and, and then I don't have enough to pay my rent. How do you help people break that down?
2: Well, it's interesting because comfort is a matter of, of perspective, right? Because I've you know dealt with multi-billion dollar clients, and they're miserable. Yeah, they're not necessarily worried per se on the day-to-day about their money, but they still worry about their money. Because now you're talking about, you know, preservation of your principal, preservation of your capital. Is my money going to last? Do I have enough for retirement? You know, it, it, are my kids going to be taken care of? So there's a different, there's a different energy that goes beyond that. And sometimes, I mean, I've met clients who come from wealthy families and they resent their wealthy families because things were 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 handed to them, but they felt a lot of shame for having money and for being affluent, because there's so much judgment, right? When, you know, there's a lot of that, you know, another belief is, oh, if you have money, like money is evil, you know, rich people are bad, rich, pe- rich people are selfish, um, why don't they donate it all? So there's a lot of shame carried around with that as well, you know, and that, that comfort is really subjective, because I've met people who are middle class. You know, even people who are in poverty states, and you know what? They're happy. Anybody and everyone always wishes that something was different. But true happiness and true comfort comes from yourself, and it's not defined necessarily by money. If you're happy every single day, and you're living your passions, and you have what you want, and you do what you want, isn't that really the true definition of happiness, is just being free? Because maybe what's rich to you is not rich to me. Absolutely. That's also a perspective as well. When I talk to clients, I'm like, "Well, how much? How much money? You know, is a, is a lot for you?" And sometimes they'll laugh and they'll go, "It's a lot." And I go, "Okay, well, how much?" And maybe they'll say, "Well, ten thousand dollars." And I'm like, "Okay, to me, that's not a lot, but to someone else, it might be." Absolutely. Now, if somebody says, "Oh no, I want a million dollars a month," well, for me, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for me <laughs> like whoa that's a lot okay <laughs> well, you know it's, um, it's you
1: interesting know, listening to you and talk about you know the conversations you have with people do people have money triggers i would say yes
2: um i believe everyone has money triggers it's just about identifying those money triggers um, sometimes money triggers can be found in, let's say, jealousy or envy. Um, one of the things that are really popular right now is um, the red, the red string, you know, around your wrist, or uh-huh. the, uh, or like the little evil eye, right? I'm sure that a lot of your listeners and yourself, you've probably seen these little evil eyes, which is to protect yourself, right, from yeah. someone wanting to take any of your belongings. And what I tell people a lot is I say, well, you know what? You're so concerned about people looking at you and who's going to be taking from you. But what you don't realize is that that eye and that red string is also meant to remind you not to want what someone else has also. Because sometimes we don't even realize that we're being jealous or that we're being envious of what someone else has. And that happens, you know, at any time. Like right now, you know, for let's say cars, for example. I have a friend that drives a Range Rover. And I love their Range Rover. I, I mean, if I could get another car, that would be it. But it's not there for me yet. So I have to be mindful of when I'm with her in her car to not necessarily be jealous of that car because it's the car that I want. That makes sense. So well,
0: I have to be mindful.
2: Sense. Yeah. So I have to be mindful of my energy and say, I love this car. This is so great and so awesome that even though it's not mine, I have a friend that has one. And I get to ride in it. I get to get in and out of it. Sometimes I get to drive it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and get excited about being in that space because the more that I connect with that energy of having it, the closer I get to actually making that a reality and bringing that into my actual existence. So those are all money triggers they're they're everywhere.
1: They're everywhere. Well, you know, I love that you know that when you say karmic currency because that makes me think that I can, you know, what goes around comes around. And if I put mm-hmm. good karma out there, good karma will come my way. And is that your philosophy using that term karmic currency?
2: Yes, it is. it does have to do with that exchange, that reciprocal exchange of, you know, do good into others and others will do good to you. And obviously what we put out is always, life is an echo. What we put out comes back. So it does have to do that, but it also has to do with your past karmas and clearing the wrongs and making them right so that you can now get into the space where it's healthy, where it's positive, where there's growth where there's alignment where there's healing and really you know that's also the purpose of the karma is once you learn those past mistakes once you understand those those things that that you did and sometimes we do things and we don't even realize you know maybe maybe you didn't know you know for, for sometimes but one of the things that I help a lot of my clients with is credit and understanding their credit understanding how to fix their credit how to make it better you know what? You know to be to be more appealing to lenders, to banks. Maybe you want to grow your business, and sometimes things happen. Sometimes people have bad things on their credit, and maybe they didn't intentionally know. Maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe something happened, or maybe they they didn't get a bill, and something happened. So now we have to fix it. Now we have to correct that. So sometimes our karma can be intentional, or it could just be something that happen to you. Sometimes
1: it could be family karma, too. Well, and that, you make a good point on that. It can be. It's not just you. It can be from the family. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit, because I have a good friend, and she actually manages her money pretty well, unless she's in an emotional spot. She does a lot of emotional spending.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I'm that? familiar. <laughs> uh, oh, I think <laughs> I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Yes, yes.
2: Well, no, I if, know if we are.
1: Are. During, during the pandemic, I was so thankful that Amazon would let you return anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, I ordered so much stuff from Amazon during the pandemic. I didn't even know what was showing up to my house anymore.
1: <laughs> like Every day it was like Christmas. I was like, oh, what, oh, what did I get today? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so we've all done a little emotional spending and not that the pandemic gave me, you know, justified it, but it certainly, it was more understandable, but sometimes it just gets to be a, a, a reflex.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, he, so
2: here's the thing. When it comes to spending money, um, spending money releases endorphins. Okay. And it makes us, feel good. And for those of you who, who have read my book or, or decide to pick up my book or, or work with me, I connect specifically your money with your chakra energy. So chakras are Sanskrit word for spinning wheel. And they're based on Hindu beliefs that every single human has at least seven main ones that are located within your body. And they all drive and do certain feelings, certain thoughts, certain emotions. So I connect that specifically to money, and when it comes to spending, it's specifically connected to your second chakra, which this is where, as humans, this is where our sexual reproductive organs are. So as women, this is where our uterus is. You know, for men, it's you know internally um, where their things are located. <laughs> um, you know, in the inside. So that particular energetic space has a lot to do with pleasure, with passion, and with purpose. So when we're spending money, it makes us feel good. It releases the same the same chemicals in our brain that we get when we have sex or when we eat because a lot of a lot of people take pleasure from eating as well. So that's specifically very much connected to that. So when someone is having a bad day, or you're stressed out, well, retail therapy, right? We just we go shopping. <laughs> we go get a new yeah. pair of shoes. they go buy a new purse. Uh, I'll go on Amazon because, I mean, Amazon has made this so easy for us to numb our feelings and to numb what's really happening. So one of the things that I work with with my clients is that when we work with that specific energy, I say, okay, this week, no spending. And if you have to spend something, you need to take money out in cash and pay for it cash because there's a very, very different feeling of actually having to withdraw cash and then paying cash versus just swiping your card where it's like kind of this invisible space, right, that we don't see it. Or we say no spending this week. Anything that you do this week has to be done for free. So find all the things that you can do that are going to make you feel good that are going to be free. Because we really want to be able to sit in our emotions and really process what we're feeling. Why am I mad? Why am I frustrated? Why am I sad? What's bothering me? You know, why am I trying to numb this feeling and make myself emotionally sedated by spending money? So that's the trigger as well. What are you know, what's the trigger for you? What happened to you that made you wanna spend? And some people spend, I mean, even more than just when they're mad.
1: Well, and I'm sure that you work with people to help them understand there, there are proven tools that they can use to curb their mm-hmm. negative spending habits. Of course. Can you share a couple of those with us? Definitely. So some of the things that you can do um,
2: is, again, when you feel like you want to shop, okay, ask yourself, number one, is this a want or is this a need? Okay, so that's going to get us some clarity right away. Number two, am I going to regret this purchase in the next 30 days or even in the next two weeks? Because sometimes that happens. We buy stuff and then, like you like you said earlier, we just return it. Well, why did you buy it in the first place? Okay, that's, you know, the, the third thing. Then the other thing that you want to think about as well is once I get this item, how is this going to make me feel? What is this going to help me with in my life to help shift or better my situation? And, you know, again, and then it goes back to, okay, do I need this or do I want this? So those are some of the top questions that you want to ask yourself if you're going to to be buying something in the near future. The other thing that you want to do is if you feel that it's a trigger and it's a prompt, okay, it's not like, oh, I'm hungry, I need to eat, because sometimes that happens too. Well, are you really hungry or are you just having some weird anxiety that you feel like you need to eat or you need something to do? So it's they're, they're kind of those same those same little triggers that you want to get aware of. And then write it down. Write down what's really happening for you, get in front of a mirror and ask yourself, you know, hey, Sandy, what, what's going on with you? Like, you know, why do you want to buy this right now? What is this going to do for you? What's really happening here? Why do you feel that you need this particular dress or this particular bag? And when we really start to dig into the layers, sometimes we'll start to realize that, well, you know, maybe I would feel more important if I had this particular purse. Or, you know, for me, if I drove this particular car, you know, maybe there's a certain status or a certain image that I want to have or I want to look. You know, maybe you want to impress someone else or maybe, you know, you want to add it to your collection. There's, There's a reason for the spending and that's what we really want to start to uncover is what is the feeling, what is the emotion behind this and what is it that we're avoiding from it.
1: Well, you make a really good point, Sandy, because, you know, there is emotion behind every decision that we make and, and you've, we're going to take a break in just about a minute. When we come back, I really want to learn more about how you can create alignment in your, in your thought process and your, with, within your emotions with your money, because what? once that alignment occurs, I feel just as good when I save money, when I invest money as I do when I spend it. Um, yes. I really do. I don't do it in, as much as I would like to, but but when I do, it, it does make me feel really good. And the, that has been kind of an aha moment for me in the last couple mm. of years. So We're going to take a break, but stay with us. And when we come back, we're going to learn all kinds of techniques and different ways that we can learn to manage our money.
0: We'll be back after these messages. It's merging. We all know that alarm clocks were invented for people who don't have kids but before the alarm clock was invented how did people wake up in time for work previous to the alarm clock gaining popularity people in britain and ireland might have been awakened each morning by a knocker up a knocker up was a person that was paid a few pence a week to wake up slugabeds and clinomaniacs those are people who like to sleep in Knocker-ups used pea shooters to rouse folks who were oversleeping and long bamboo sticks to reach windows on higher floors. It was the responsibility of the knocker-up to not leave the window until they were sure their client didn't go back to sleep, even if they had metutilepia, otherwise known as waking up on the wrong side of the bed. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids his dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? phobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's Marching i'm carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app too funny for Words. we're back now here's your host lee richardson
1: So we're back, and we're just having the best time. I'm talking with Sandy Fernandez, and we're having the best time really learning about how money impacts us. And and it started as a little kid, and what we saw our parents do, and what we heard our grandparents talk about when it comes to money. And, you know, there's a lot of people that just live paycheck to paycheck, And that is, they want to stop that desperately. And that's almost toxic. How do you help those kind of people, Sandy? So it's
2: really interesting because paycheck to paycheck cycles, when we hear that term, we often think of maybe lower income families. You know, we tend to think, you know, the single mom's. Um, You know, even in two households, you know, people who are struggling to make ends meet ultimately is what it means. But I've seen the paycheck to paycheck syndrome in countless families and in women and in men who make over $100,000 a year. And it is completely fascinating to me when I see that because, you know, I'm like, what are you you doing with your money? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where does it go? Exactly. And and really, it's, um, it's really mismanagement of funds, the majority of the time. And, and I'm not going to go, you know, down a rabbit hole right now of, you know, inflation and cost of living. And because all of those things do play an, you know, an impact into that paycheck to paycheck. But I, you know, I'm not going to go down that, down that rabbit hole right now. But one of the things that I do with my clients is, say, okay, the first thing we need to do to get a grip on this is, do you have a budget? And most people, you'd be surprised, they don't. Most people don't even know exactly how much money they make. When I ask my clients, how much money do you make? What do you make every two weeks? You know, and I'm just going to throw a number out there. They'll usually round about or give me a guess on what they make. They're like, I make like, you know, $1,500 a week around there, you know. And I'm like, you should know exactly how much money you make. If you make $1,500, you should know I make $1,431.72 every week. You should know exactly the amount of money that you're you're making. So that's number one. Number two, most people don't understand how much money is going out of their account. If I ask them, well, what's your electricity bill? Like around 150 dollars most people are just living this guessing game. Like the only thing that they learned in math was rounding, <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't learn anything else in math. That's all you learned. You're phenomenal at rounding, um, you know, but so those are things that we look at. So, okay. And again, some people hate the word budget because the word budget is that trigger, right? We've been talking about that throughout our conversation. That's a trigger. People don't want to be told what to do. Don't, don't, I, I, you're not the boss of me. I don't need a budget. Well, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of trying to figure out where your money went. So that's really important. And when you start to really look at your bank account, most people don't even realize all the nonsense that's coming out of their account. The gym membership, the Netflix, then you have Hulu, then you have Disney Plus, then maybe you sign up for the promo, um, which I actually, it's hot off the press. I just saw it on online now stars has a promotion now that you get it for three dollars a month and then you pay for apple through memory and you pay your google account and you have all this stuff coming out of the account and you're like i don't even use that i haven't i haven't watched hulu in months i didn't even know that i that was coming out of my account so this is really what it means is really understanding what is happening in the day-to-day and it sounds really basic But when you're working with people and their energy towards money, this could give a person a lot of anxiety. This could give a person a lot of stress because we avoid the things that are uncomfortable to us and we pursue the things that make us feel good. And the budget and being really honest and really real with what's happening with our money, can give a person literally anxiety attacks because all of a sudden you're like, I'm such a mess. I'm so irresponsible. And then here comes this negative self-talk, you know, I had all this money saved and this happened. And that's when that energy comes in. That's when, you know, having a person like me with you um, to really understand, to kind of hold your hand to that process and to give you a lot of those feel good remedies using energy You know, um, one of the things that I love to do is when I do budgeting with my clients, I'm like, this is what you're going to do. I want you to light a candle. I want you to pour yourself a beautiful glass of wine, if that's what you like, or a beer, whatever floats your boat, martini maybe. You know, light a candle, light an incense, dim the light, put some sexy music on. And I want you to create an environment for yourself that feels good. And then open up your your bank account, then go into your online banking and start to look at it because you're creating that environment to shift and to reprogram your mind into saying, I can look at my, at my account. I can feel good about this because everything in this environment, in this setting feels good versus, you know you're in the middle of the day, you're making dinner, the kids are screaming, the dog is barking, the Amazon guy got there and you're looking at your bank account and you're like, shit, I didn't pay this, I didn't pay that, you know? So it's very, very different energy um, to be able to to, to have that with, with yourself.
1: Well, you're right. You know, if you create an ambience and mm-hmm.
2: that's kind
1: of, what I felt like you were telling them to do is create an ambience. That, you know, already you feel good. Just mm-hmm. being there, the candle smells good, you know yeah. you're you're setting yourself up for success. And that right. makes so much sense to me. Why wouldn't you want to be successful with every element of your money?
2: Correct. yeah, absolutely. and it's and it's all about setting that tone and setting that environment for yourself so that you can reprogram yourself. You know, listen, our unconscious mind is what controls our conscious state. And until we can reprogram that unconscious state, then you're going to consciously be, you know, continue reenacting the same things. It's like a child. What do you think happens to a little kid when you tell them, no, they throw a temper tantrum? And the reason that they do that and some children continue to throw temper tantrums is because they know if I do this long enough, my parents are going to cave in. And now that temper tantrum continues because the parent is giving in. So now this subconscious belief, because nobody in their right mind says, I'm just going to pitch a fit, you know, and get what I want. It's a subconscious programming, and then that belief now gets programmed, and you could be an adult, you know, having a baby temper tantrum all day.
1: Oh, because I see. You get I your see own day. a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and a lot of times it's you know I work with a lot of clients with anxiety and depression, and anger is a is a subproduct, and so is. Yes you know, those little tinter tantrums, sometimes it's just a, just kind of letting that, that valve release in the hot air a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, when, when I think about money, and I think about, you know, people think, well, if I just had more money, if I just had, you know, more money, more money, more money, everything would be just great. But is it?
2: No. And, and that's, that's the thing, right, is that, and, and again, something that I, I talk about and I teach a lot, which is when we say, I want more money, I want more money, number one, when you say you want something, you're already saying to yourself, you don't have it. So you're already in this double negative state where you're Good telling point. yourself, You're already saying, well, I want it. So your brain says, well, the reason you want it is because you don't have it. So now you start focusing on all the other things that you don't have. It's just human nature, the way that things are, are perceived. So instead of saying, I want more money, let's start thinking about what we want and what we're grateful for so that we can shift that energy into gratitude when you shift into gratitude and you shift into focusing on the things that you have, then you'll start creating more abundance because now you'll see all the things that you do have versus the things that you don't. If that makes sense. I always like to use the example of when we mostly women, right? We tend to do grocery shopping the most. Um, But I know that in my house and that's why I used to, Love this analogy. So when I'm getting ready to do groceries, what's the first thing we do? We make a list, right? For the most part, if you're efficient, you make a list. You start wandering around the kitchen. You're like, okay, what do I need to buy? Hmm. Okay, I need milk. I need bread. I need cheese. You know, I need eggs. I need this. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, there's, there was nothing in this house. Look at this list. You know, oh, my gosh. But the reverse happens, for those of you listening who are moms, what do you think is the first thing that we do when your child comes to you and says, there's nothing to eat here. You're like, What are you talking <laughs> about? There's nothing to eat. There's ham, there's cheese, there's tuna, there's bread, you know, there's microwavable dinners, there's peanut butter and jelly, there's fruits, you want to make a smoothie, there's ice cream. See how the perception shifts? So if we start doing that with our money instead, you're going to start seeing more opportunity. You're going to start seeing all the ways that the money is there for you, that the money is helping you, that there, that there is a lot of, you have already all the things that you want, because now you're focused on
1: it. That's a good point. Makes sense. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we can't see, we, we can't see the forest for the trees. Right? Exactly. So, so what's exactly. the first step? You get somebody and, and you get them to kind of address, okay, I I I do I understand I have issues. I know what my issues are. I think I've figured out how I'm going to let those go and move past them. We've worked on a budget. Well, you know, the B word, um, <laughs> but we've, we've worked on a budget. We've got past that. Now, what do I do? I mean, you mentioned well, earlier you, that you have to go through a week and not spend money or...
2: Well, no. So everybody, when I and it depends, right? Which way or, or which capacity the client wants to work with me? The best way and the way to get the most results and and honestly my favorite way too is to do a private coaching. Um, when it's when we do it private, number one, there's a questionnaire that we fill out, and then from there I build out your plan. From there I identify, okay, these are the energetic points that we need to work through. These are the financial steps that you know, you said you need help on. Here are also some, you know, blind spots that maybe you may have missed that we need to incorporate. And then we go from there. And everybody has a different starting point. Because I may have a client, you may be great with a budget. You may be phenomenal with a budget. And here's the flip side. A person who is fantastic with a budget is typically a person who doesn't like to spend. And then their problem is surrendering or releasing money you know, spending their money, investing their money. And this is sometimes the type of person who, you know, maybe has a big nest egg and they don't, they're afraid to do anything with it. So it really depends. Everyone's financial situation and everyone's financial energy, it's like a thumbprint. It's so specific to you, um, you know, it, it, it can't be duplicated. Some of the steps, you know, my process is the same with everyone. But it's really customized to your journey and where it is that you're beginning, where it is that you're
1: starting from. Well, and where do you want to go? Um, exactly. How does that play into it? Yeah, definitely. I
2: recently had a a, a woman um, that she worked with me. She she actually worked with me for almost almost twelve weeks. Actually, she she worked with me, um, but it was fun because one of the things that she wanted to do was she wanted to start a business and she had realized that she had a green thumb, and she never knew. And she was phenomenal with plants and, you know, and growing and, and just very magical. So she's like, I really want to be able to do this on the side for now until I can make it my main business. And this is someone who's very successful, has makes, you know, multiple six figures, and, but she, you know, wanted to do, pursue this passion project. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I helped her strategize, build out this plan. How are we going to help this business grow? But here's something that's really interesting. She had named the business um, a name that she had with an ex-boyfriend. It was oh. like a nickname that they shared between each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. And obviously for privacy, I'm not going to share it. Um, but it was a nickname. Let's say it was, I don't know, Scooby-Doo. And she had named that business Scooby-Doo because it was a name that he and her had chosen together. Well, they broke up. And that name stayed. And one of the conversations that we had one of the days that we were talking about this business and kind of why she was still feeling like some apprehension towards it, and we realized that we need to change the name before you even formulate this business, before you set up an LLC or you incorporate it or you create an Instagram page or a website for any of this, we're going to need to revisit this name because this name is tied still to that relationship. It's tied to that person and that person, you're going to continue to feel like that person has some control over you by keeping that name. And so during that week, that was, you know, her assignment while she was, you know, doing a lot of the business strategy and things like that was to think of the name and change it. And she did. She found a phenomenal name. She loved it even more. And as soon as she changed the name, her energy completely shifted. She even signed her first client that first week with the new name.
1: You know, sometimes all you need is a win, one win, and Mm -hmm. just things shift.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it was, but, you know, again, to talk about the energy, you know, of how sometimes we don't realize that there's energy connected with words, with names um, and that feeling, you know, of, well, if I keep this name, you know, he's always going to kind of hold that over my head and be like, well, I was the one that taught you that, you know, I came up with that business plan with you. And sometimes we just need that clean slate to start all over, cut the energy and all of a sudden that that new fresh energy walks in, you know, and you're like, wow, it's it's this redefined, re you know, renewed passion and for something new. And you let go of of the old.
1: Well I'm sure she felt energized with a new name mm-hmm. and a, a new perspective mm-hmm. and exciting that's one step that he's further out of her life. Um,
2: exactly.
1: Yeah. So when you think about when I think about money, you know, some people think, oh, making money, is, it's easy for me. And they never worry about it. How does that, how does that kind of, that feeling of abundance and, and freeness, how do you get that? You know, I,
2: I love to work with people like that because they're really the most fascinating um, type of people. Because really that kind of person is almost like the exception and not the rule. Um and these are people who who truly have zero attachment to to an outcome. They truly have zero attachment to money. They just understand that money comes and money goes and they just have this carefree relationship with it. Um and it's beautiful because I, I think that like you said, right, how do we get there? How do we how do how do I get to feel free with money? And it's really moving through those seven steps and going through that journey, because I, I have a, a seven-step process, it's going through those seven steps of shifting your energy. And it goes back to how we started our conversation, which is childhood. Understanding what your childhood started. You know, what is the fear that's blocking you? Do you have fear of being without? You know, are you, were your basic needs met? Or are you still in a very primal, you know, baby stage? Are you still selfish with your money? Because yeah, yeah, oftentimes yeah. People, people are selfish with their money. They're very greedy. Um, and not greedy in the Scrooge McDuck kind of way, but greedy in the sense of, well, if I give it to you, then I'm not going to have Think about the toilet paper shortage that we just went through. So it's really shifting and, and, and going through that process of surrendering and rewriting your money story, understanding where you are. Are you connected to your purpose in life? Are you really living your passion? Is this really what, you know, when you think back as a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? You know, maybe you wanted to be an actress. Maybe you wanted to be a singer or a ballerina or, you know, a veterinarian, whatever the case is. And maybe your parents squashed that dream. Get your head out of the clouds, kid. You know, nobody's ever going to pay you for that. Um, so there's that little person there still inside of you that that is you know being told you can't pursue your dreams so there's you know there's really a a process that that happens for us to really get to that top level of really feeling carefree and really feeling a true sense of financial freedom um not just because we have a lot of money but because we feel good about our relationship with money and where we are and how we're handling it and everything that we're doing with it.
1: Well, I think, you know, you, you really touched on some great points and we have all through the show. And just to kind of stop and think about what if I were going to talk to somebody about the show, I mean, I could think of several things that I'd want to be sure I would tell them, but I'm thinking, how could I boil that down to like, I don't know maybe three or four good takeaways and what would those takeaways be? So I would say the
2: takeaways first would be to, you know, acknowledge, uh, Lee, like you said, acknowledge your triggers with money. Okay. What are your money triggers? Maybe you don't think you have any. So your first step would be to become aware. Where is it that you start to feel a little uncomfortable in your own skin when it comes to money? You know, do you feel anxiety? When you don't check your account every day, or maybe do you feel anxiety when you do check it? When you have to go towards it, um, you know? Do you? How do you feel on payday when you get paid? Um, do you? You know? Like, start really looking at what those triggers are. Once you identify those triggers, then the next thing that you want to really do to kind of think about is, okay, well, what can I do to change this? Is this something that I've already tried to understand, but I haven't? Because a lot of times, you know, people can be, they can be conscious. They could say, this happens to me every single time and I don't understand. I've tried everything. Then that's the moment where you really want to start diving really deep and talk and, you know, to a person like myself who really understands the energy behind money and really sees money from a very um, spiritual and energetic place. That's where you're really going to start to be able to unravel. Why is it that you're being held back from either doing more or reaching the next level? Maybe you have a reoccurring pattern. Is there something that happens to you every single time? We all have that friend. We're like, how does this happen to you every single time? <laughs> like, nobody else that I know this happens to but for you, this happens every single time. So maybe that's you. Maybe you have a reoccurring pattern. And that's what we want to look at.
1: Well, that's that's a really good point, because usually we do have patterns and we can find the answers through the patterns, most definitely. So for someone that just feels like they don't have a a shot at managing their money and they wanted to learn more about what you do and, and how you do it, how would they find you? What would that be?
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. And number one, anybody who feels that way, you do have a shot. Um, Money is something that can be rewritten at any given time. So today is a good day to start. Um, You're never stuck anywhere. Um, But you can definitely find me on social media under karmic currency. That's two C's in the middle. So K-A-R-M-I-C and then currency like money. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube, all under the same handle. Um, also my website, my main, web, my main website. Um, I do have a new passion project for any women who are interested and looking um, to learn a little bit more. It's called Her Worth Circle. And it is fi- financial Ooh, literacy for women. tell us about that. Yes, it's financial literacy for women. And it's every month we read a different book. Last month we read my book. This month we're reading a book, um, The Money Queen's Guide. So every month we read a different book on finances or on, you know, some sort of magic, some sort of spirituality. Um, For May, we're reading The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein. So every month we read a different book. And every month I host a different webinar on the topic of money and energy. And I bring in different speakers um, and different people to host different workshops. So that's really exciting. Um, and you can find that also on in Instagram under Her Worst Circle. Or if you just go to mine, everything is there. Um, and it's also the website, Her Worst Circle. That is a paid monthly membership. Um, it's honestly for the price of your Starbucks coffee, you can get in for the month because I really want to make that accessible. For all women. And I feel that financial literacy should be accessible to all women, no matter what their economic state is. Um, So that's why I've made it very, very affordable um, for women to access. So I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, if you want to work with me one-on-one, all the links are there um, on my website, or of course, you can reach out to me directly via email.
1: Well, that is great. There are a lot of different ways to reach out to you. And I I love the war circle. I love that. That's such a fun approach, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead of, and what I really have enjoyed from our talk, Sandy, is that you're not. It's not serious business here. We're not going to die over it. Let's have some fun. Let's laugh. Let's just enjoy the concept of money. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you.
0: On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com.